members of Ramsey Solutions, it's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage is taking the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. We help people build wealth, do work that they actually love, and create real amazing relationships. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author and host of The Ken Coleman Show, is my co-host today as we answer your questions about your life, your money, your career. Jump in and we'll do just that. The phone number is 888-825-5225. Alex is with us in Houston, Texas. Hey, Alex, welcome to The Ramsey Show. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, what's up? I'm in baby step two, and I would like your advice on whether or not I should spend money for a financial coach. The coaching fee for the coach I'm looking at will be 250 a month, and I bring home 2000 a month. I'm pretty strong on the head knowledge. I've been listening to you guys for a couple of years now, but I'm really struggling with the 80% behavior part and uh, keeping consistency, and I would like your advice on what you think I should do. No, if you're making $2,000 a month, I would not spend $250 a month on a coach. That's too much as a percentage of your income. Yeah. Have you noticed, Alex, that your income sucks? It does, yeah. I definitely want to find uh, a way to increase my shovel, and uh, you are uh, right in line with uh, with the Facebook group. I, I put a poll out on there, and 90 92% gave me a no, don't do it. 92%. <laughs> Maybe you need a ju- new job doing statistics. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. What do you do? But, uh, what's, your inc- what are you, what's your career? I, I, I work in a factory, a food production factory, and um, interesting part of my story, I'm less than a year fresh out of prison, and I'm just trying to rebuild my life together and make up for some bad decisions that I've made in the past, and um, part of that is trying to find a career where I will be given a chance, but I can also um, be paid for my, my worth, like what I can, mm. what I'm capable for. And, and uh, What would that I, be? I'm a little bit of... For, forget your record right now. What would you be pursuing if you didn't have this past that you knew you were going to have to navigate around? Yeah. What it, would you do? It, what it, would you do? What do you want to do? I love working in restaurants. That's one thing, but it's not long-term and stable. I really would love to be a, a real estate agent and, and to sell houses. I really like working with people. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be something that I think um, I would be good at. Sales in general, I think I would be good at because I was really good at it in the restaurant industry. Yeah. I made good money doing what I did. Well, and um, I would love to go into sales. So here's the thing. Um, we are seeing coming out of the pandemic, and I want you to actually do some research on this. I think you'll be surprised at what you find. There are a lot of companies around this country that are really, truly reaching out to people with a criminal record. They're nonviolent and, and, and things of that nature, and they really have proven that they've entered into society and they've paid their, uh, they've paid their dues. Um, and they're looking because we have such a huge gap right now with 11.3 million jobs. It's the last job report out of July. 11.3 million jobs available, 8.3 million people unemployed. And I'm just telling you, you'd be surprised at some companies that are willing to give men and women like you a chance. That's one thing. I want you to just do your research and see what's out there. Second thing, whether that was a, a true piece of data or not, relationships, relationships, relationships. People are going to see your story. And you get to an interview process and you tell them that you've got a record because you're an honest guy and they will still shoot you down right there. But the reality is, is through relationships, 
people that you know who know you and know that you're a good dude and know that you have paid your debt to society and now you're trying to do what's right, they are going to be the key to you getting where you want to go. And I'm going to tell you something. If you want to get into real estate, um, you just got to find that one or two people who say, you know what, I'll be your broker. I'll put my arm around you. I'll develop you. I'll pour into you. I believe in you. Because the reality is, is uh, people will buy a house from somebody uh, that is kind, that is knowledgeable, and helps them accomplish their dream of getting that home. They're not doing a background check on you. So I'm just, I wanted to just put that in your heart so that you know you actually can get where you want to go. Does, does Texas real estate law prohibit a felon from getting a real estate license? That's uh something i need to research um definitely i don't think it does I'm not sure i don't think yeah. it does it will keep you out of the securities business mm-hmm. you're not going to be a stockbroker or a financial advisor and so another another realm of sales might be better for me yeah but the uh but real estate uh i i most states do not uh have that as a prohibition on a real estate license um mm-hmm. and uh so how long have you been out I've been out since October of last year, so I'm coming up on a year. Good for you. Okay. And how old are you? 28 years old. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, you're 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 up for a fresh start. I love that. Yeah. And, um, you know, if I'm you, uh, I'm going to move towards sales because of some kind, because you're a people person, mm-hmm. you're articulate, and you can make more in 20 minutes in sales than you're making now. Uh, and I, don't, I don't know what you're selling at this point, you know, in this discussion, but I, I think you've got some opportunity there. Uh, and, you know, real estate is a tougher one to get in because it takes longer to start making money. Other types of sales you can get and you can make money at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. And real mm-hmm. estate, sometimes it often takes six months, uh, you know, to get the on-ramp going. And um, right. you don't really have that kind of margin. But, no, I would not spend 250 out of 2000 uh, for a financial coach. Financial coaching is worth every penny, but you know, you can't, you know, you're not in a position to afford that right now. You're not making enough money. So I want to work on the shovel size and some other things in the process. And what we'll do is we'll put you guys, put you through financial peace university as our guest, and that'll help you with the behavior side as well. Uh, but you're learning a whole lot of new things about self-control and about behavior and about you, the guy in your mirror in, in this stage of your life. You're, you're coming through a whole process there in, in every element of your life. So if I'm you, I'm plugging into a great church. I'm going to get some strong, uh, emotionally mature uh, men in my life, if I'm you, that are older than you, that will walk beside you and coach you and give you opportunities and connect you to their buddies and say, hey, you know, here's Alex. He needs a shot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they'll walk with you, and you can meet those kinds of men in a good church. And uh, you need those kinds of folk in your life right now, and then get in this class. But no, I, I'm I'm not going to tell you. I mean, we've got several thousand Ramsey trained financial coaches across America that are worth every penny that they charge. They're wonderful. They're absolutely incredible. But no, I would not tell somebody making two thousand dollars a month to spend two hundred fifty dollars a month on that. That's not a good play. Not a good play at all. There is. Um, Something that has to happen almost in Dr. John Deloney's realm when you go through something like that to get that in your past, there's the reality that he faces of, of yeah. you know, he, when he applies, he's a felon, right? That's right. There's a reality, a background check, whatever, all those kinds. Of, that's a reality there. But the other thing is, is it 
you you have to redefine yourself. Mm-hmm. Say, I am not defined by my past. Mm-hmm. I'm informed by it. That's right. And so I'm not a guy. I'm I'm not a a bankruptcy. I'm a guy that filed bankruptcy 30 years ago, mm. and it informed what I did in the following 30 years. Yeah, told me what to do. And so, but I, I wasn't defined by it. I was informed by my idiocy. And so there's something that has to happen when you go through a big life-changing setback like that, that you have to reset your head to go forward. This is The Ramsey Show. Headquarters of Ramsey Solutions. It's the Ramsey Show. Thank you for joining us, America. We're glad you're here. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host. This is the deal. How many times do you find yourself saying one day about a goal that you've had? You know, one day I'm going to be in a career I like. One day I won't have to battle anxiety anymore. One day I'll buy a house. One day I'll be out of debt. One day Sally May will be out of my life. Well. Stop waiting around on your one day. You've got to do something about causing it to happen. Uh, You have to turn uh, dreams into goals, and goals are basically vision with work clothes on. And so you're going to have to get with it here. Stop waiting around. Smart Conference is, oddly enough, the one-day event where we tackle all areas of your life. And, guys, let's face it, we could use that kind of boost out there right now. You're going to hear from the nation's top thought leaders on money, career, mental health, relationships, marriage, leadership, and it includes Craig and Amy Groeschel, pastor from Life Church on marriage, Dr. John Deloney, number one best-selling author on mental health, Rachel Cruz, number one best-selling author many times over on money, George Camel from the Ramsey Networks, Ken Coleman, number one best-selling author on the issues of career and finding a job that you love from paycheck to purpose. Christina Ellis, new Ramsey personality on board. I'll be speaking. It's a day-long smart conference. It's only $39. The VIP and Platinum are already sold out. The event will sell out early and get your tickets now. It's in Dallas. It'll be coming up really quick in October the twenty on October the twenty second Saturday. It is a day long event for the only, you pay thirty nine dollars to see any one of these people speak, and they have gotten a deal. But you get the whole day. You're going to leave exhausted, and smiling, and smarter. That's why we call it the Smart Conference. That's how it works. Blinds.com gives us our question of the day. Find out for yourself why Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings with free samples, free shipping, new promos they run all the time. Use the promo code RAMSEY to get the best possible deal. Today's question comes from Thomas in Nebraska. I have 15000 in student loans, 6000 in a car loan, and a mortgage. My current job will be paying me $100,000 by 2024. Is it too late to get into the finance field with having to go back to school for a master's in finance? I will most likely have a drop in pay, and my finances are based off of making $6,000 a year, but do not know... (laughs) 
60. 60 I'm oh, sorry, what did I say? You said six. Thank you, Dave. That would have been really strange. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> do not know if being in the financial field will pay me that much in the Midwest. What should I be aware of before making this change? Well, the first thing, Thomas, is we need to get this debt uh, out of your life. You're not making any kind of change uh, as it relates to going to get a master's degree with this debt in your life. So we want to get you debt-free. Uh, it's not too late uh, at all for you to get in the finance field, but I would really question why the master's degree. Uh, again, I'm not anti-education, but uh, we know that uh, and you can do this research on your own. Most master's degrees do not have a great ROI. And in this case, for you to get into the financial field, you do not have to have a master's to be successful in it. So I would have you identify where you want to be in finance and then having done the research and then speaking to men and women who are winning in that particular area, what is the best path for you to get there? Uh, because I don't buy the notion uh, that you're going to have to have a drop in pay either. Uh, I don't no, buy that at all. it should be an increase in pay. It should absolutely be, or it's the wrong place in finance. Yeah, yeah you should have be an increase in pay, and virtually no finance jobs require a master's. There's virtually none. Mm. I mean, there's a, a few, you know, corporate gigs or something where you're trying to move up into upper management or something like that immediately step straight in. They're going to want to see a master's, but um, the truth is is that uh, finance is simply that not that complicated. When, I mean, if you're a math person and you get into it and you learn the process and you learn the formulas, you learn the critical thinking skills, um, you can do, you can be a financial analyst, I mean, or, or do finance or whatever form that takes. But when you say, I want to go into finance, dude, that's like saying, I want to go into sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, what part? I mean, there's like nine bazillion possible <laughs> jobs. Right. So you need to figure out what type of thing you want to go into. Then you can start figuring out if it really involves a pay cut and if it really needs further education. I doubt it does. I doubt seriously it does. Um, But again, there's a few corporate jobs that like to have an MBA with a specialization in finance. That wouldn't be unusual. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a master's in finance is just simply not required to be in the financial field. I mean, we work with financial people that are uh, uh, brokers. That, that are, uh, you know, sitting down with you, helping you with your investments. Uh, we work with financial people in the mortgage world. We work with financial people in the uh, insurance world. We work with financial people in the financial planning fields. Uh, very, very, very few of them have masters. And it's just simply not a barrier of interest. That's right. And very, very few of them make less than what you're talking about. <laughs> so yeah. you've also got a bad information there. So I think you need to get in to figure out what part of the world of finance you want to go into and then figure out what that pays and figure out a way to get in that. And maybe if you want to work on your master's, maybe the new job in the world of finance will pay for it. And that would be the way I would do it. But I just I'm going to, you know, this is like, like you've got, uh, I don't know, cold feet where you are and you just want an excuse to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think here's the deal. When, when, when people think about changing, they automatically think, what education do I need? I think that's the right question. But you've got to classify education a little bit differently than we used to 20 years ago. Now, in this particular area, as Dave has laid out, you're talking about certifications and some training. That's it. 
it does not require a master's. And uh, so, hey, what do I need to learn? Where can I learn it? What's the most affordable way to learn it? Those are the specific questions. Yeah. Where do I get the knowledge base? That's correct. To, to operate efficiently. That's what you're looking for. Francis is with us. Francis is in Richmond, Virginia. Hi, Francis. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much. And great responses to Ken and Alex. I really appreciate it. I'm an ordained clergy person. And um, as ordained clergy, I have to pay my own Social Security and Medicare taxes. The church doesn't pay for that. And to offset that, we're allowed a housing allowance that is tax-free. My wife and I have a home that's well, our household income is 150000 We have a home that's valued at five twenty, and we have 110000 left on the mortgage. That's three out of 15 years on that, on that mortgage. We have about $50,000 in our brokerage account, and we're set on retirement. We're really good there. Our question is, do we want to take that 50000 out of that brokerage account and pay down that, uh, that mortgage? When we pay the house off, though, my taxable income will go up. And so that's kind of the rub that we've been wrestling with a bit. Your taxable income will go up. Correct. Because my mortgage is part of the housing allowance. No, it's not. It's not taxable. No, it's not. And so. No, 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 no. I've had to teach pastors this all over America. Okay. You need to go, you need to go sit down. You need to go sit down with a tax professional that knows what they're doing on the pastor's housing allowance. The, the belief that is an absolute lie all across America is that if a pastor pays off their house, they lose their housing allowance. No, the tax law clearly says that you can still write off the market value of rent of that $500,000 house. Right. As if it was a tax, as if it was a house payment, you do not have to be in debt to get your housing allowance. No, I, no, I did. I, I do understand that, but my actual taxable income will go up when the mortgage drops off because it's actually the, the fair market value rental furnished or your actual expenses each month, whichever is lower. And so for our home, it would be the actual expenses, which would be lower. And so my housing allowance is going to drop significantly, which means your fair market value furnished rental on a $500,000 house. That's high. That's high, and that's the only thing you got left if you got no mortgage. Yeah, right. Exactly. So but you can you can still take that up. as you can still take that as your housing allowance. You're, you're not going down. You're going up. You only got a hundred ten thousand dollar mortgage left. So uh, no, I, I I think you pay off the house as fast as you possibly can. You take the fair market value furnished of a five hundred thousand dollar house, and that's your housing allowance. You're still going to come out ahead. Coleman Ramsey, personality, my co-host today in the lobby of Ramsey Solutions on the debt-free stage. Jeremy and Kaylee are with us. Hey, guys, how are you? Hey, Dave. We're better than we deserve. I love it. Where do you guys live? Uh, We live in a small town of less than 3,000 people, Chaffee, Missouri. It's two two hours south of St. Louis. 
Okay, cool. Welcome to Nashville. So good to have you guys. So how much debt did you pay off? We paid off 125000 in 56 months. Good for you. And your range of income during that time? Oh, uh, we started in the 80s and we finally broke 100. We were 104 this year, finally. Yay! What do y'all do for a living? I'm a school nurse mm-hmm. and. I work for a towboat company, uh, construction on the river. Oh, wow. Good for you. Very cool. Very cool. So, what kind of debt was 125000 Um, It was everything from cell phones, uh, a credit card, van. Um, transmission transmission for the van and then student loans and Medical our house bills. you paid off your house we paid off our house whoa look at it weird people how old are you guys i'm 35 and i'm 40 and you have a paid for house yep what's the house worth about 125 and i love it and it's wow. completely yours yep no payments in the freaking world none, none. how's that feel nice Amazing. i bet 56 months you did this wow all right, so tell us the story. What's got all this started, and what got you so fired up you plowed all the way through and finished the house? Um, well, uh, I'm the one that drank the Kool-Aid first. My best friend uh, asked me to go to Financial Peace with her, and Jeremy works 28 days away. Yeah. And I said, well, I don't have anybody to watch the kids. No, they have daycare. And she talked me into it, and I was like, fine, I'll go. And uh, the very first class when you had the kitchen table – um, we were doing fine at the time, but when you had the kitchen table in the video and mm-hmm. you talked about how, um, you know, your family, where you have as a family becomes piled with bills and stress, we had lived that before yeah. and I felt it. Like I just felt it and I felt the chains and I was just like, nope, we're not living this way. Um, and whenever you're the first person I ever heard say, you don't have to have a credit score because that's all you're told is you have to have good credit. You have to have good credit to have everything. And, um, I was like, we can, we can do this. Like, this is something that we can do. Um, and so I told him, I came home from that first class and told him about it over the phone and he, and I was kind of skeptic at first, but he was uh, very skeptic. I, I would have been, I come home and I was leave home and see classes. what you get yourself into. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gone for four weeks. I come home and I go to my two weeks after that very first class I went to. I come walking in afterwards and uh, gathered the kids up and cut up that one credit card we did have and showed them we don't need We're this. We're not going to have another one of these in the house. Never oh, wow. going to happen again. So when you came back off the road, off the river, and went to the class, immediately you were in. Yes, sir. We were on board. Okay. Just like that. Well, Boom. and I had the benefit of he's gone for 28 days. So whenever he was like, I don't know about this, I kind of threw a tantrum and I was like, no, we have to do it together. You have to do it as a team. Um, I just paid stuff off while he was gone. So when he came home, <laughs> I was like, but look what we've done already. And he was like, oh my goodness. We are smart. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yep. And so that also helped get him on board. <laughs> Uh, that's a new one, Dave. You've probably heard it all, but I've never heard of stealth uh, that, debt payments that's before. That's a great one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We are we are really smart. Look what we did yeah, while you were gone. We did right. while you were gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that'll get you some buy-in because it's not like he's like, oh, I hate this. Let's go back in debt. He didn't say that. So No, sir. No, here we go. Game on after that, though. Absolutely. Yeah. I do want to say something about the credit score, though. When I was 18, I tried to get a car. And I remember I went to a car lot and the car salesman was like, well, you're, you probably have no credit and it's really hard to get a car with no credit. And they ran my credit and I had a bad credit because a family member put a phone bill in my name when I was like 15. Mm, mm. That's awful. <laughs> and 
I hated credit. I hated the credit score because it wasn't my fault. It was like it was like it was like a bad grade on a test you didn't you didn't take. Or something. Yeah, for real. That's the worst kind of violation. It really is, and a family member. So, so you had to get all you had to get the identity theft yes, cleaned up yeah. is what it amounts to, and the, and the worst part is the thief is in the family. So. I was like, game on. I was like, if I can, it, we can live without a credit score. Let's do this. Yeah. I, I like it when they tell me I have to have a credit score and I say, you don't take money? Exactly. Because <laughs> I got money. Is that Does that work here? <laughs> so yeah. that journey, when I hear it's about 56 months. Yeah, that's a that's long That's a track. lot of months. What kept you guys going? Uh, Each other. Free, each other and the debt-free screams. Um, we had a couple date nights where we sent the kids to grandma's and we'd push the couch up to the TV so it was a bigger screen because <laughs> it's only a 40 inch. Only, yeah. <laughs> and um, we would uh, just play Devery Screams back to back to back and wow. hear everybody's stories and hear, you can relate to people and that's why we wanted to be here because we're like, there's a family out there. There's somebody that's been through, going through what we've gone through, been through. And, you know, the pandemic everything but the house was paid off so it was an inconvenience for us you yeah. know and um i was actually an office nurse at the time and i was sent home from work and and i even had to draw unemployment for a few weeks and as a nurse i never thought i would mm-hmm. face something like that so um they send you off the river during the pandemic i was actually on the boat uh during my trip when it really started getting a little crazy but uh i came home for my two weeks of course because i just tired of seeing everybody's faces after four weeks but uh, uh i come home and when we come back we just took a you know took a covid test took a swab and all and just kept working Essential. back at it Essential. yes sir yeah all right cool i figured i figured good good for you guys well done hey that's cool cool and you get the other side of it and now you got no payments in the world none it's a whole different place to be and uh, so did you have more cheerleaders or more people thinking you were crazy um, we had a few close, close cheerleaders that understood, maybe two, <laughs> that actually knew what we were doing and why. A lot of people thought we were crazy, laughed Absolutely. at us. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that's encouragement. That's yeah. encouragement. We're going to, because we're going to do it and you're going to. Wish see. you did. Yeah. It's the uh, Toby Keith thing. How you like me now? Exactly. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well done, you guys. I'm proud of you. You're amazing. Thank you. Very, thank very you. cool. Very well done. All right. What do you tell people now that you did it? The secret, the key to getting out of debt is? Um, life's going to happen. Life exactly. happened. Uh, Just keep at it. Yeah. We had lots of medical happen in four, four and a little over four and a half years. I mean, it's inevitable the excuses you just got to push through it like anything else if you want to do it decide it make a plan and do it yep yeah don't let anything stop you you got to push through all the stuff because there's always going to be stuff yeah yeah that's good that's good that's inspiring well done you guys well done all right bring the kiddos up we got a copy of baby steps millionaires for you that's the next chapter in your story how ordinary people built extraordinary wealth how you can too we've also got a one-year membership to financial peace university and you can go through the class if you've never been through it or give it away if you'd like. Same thing for the books, and that includes the Total Money Makeover book, which has now helped over 8 million people. And so uh, we're going to send all of that with you to say thanks for coming into Nashville to do your debt-free scream. We're honored to have you guys. What are the kiddos' names and ages? 
Um, this is Connor. He's 11. Mm-hmm. And Priscilla, she's nine, uh, eight. She's eight. <laughs> okay. Well, she'll be nine soon. It's okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you guys have completely changed your family tree. You realize that? Absolutely. Because for four and a half years, these guys have been watching every move you made. And yes, that they'll remember that time you came to did this weird thing in Nashville called a debt-free scream. And that's when mom and daddy changed everything. And that's when we started becoming rich around our place. That's right. You're on your way. We ask him, uh, yeah, what are credit cards? And what's the first thing going up? Bad. That's it. That's the answer. What's a credit score? Something someone else needs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not me. I've got money. They take that here. Congratulations, you guys. All right. Jeremy and Kaylee, Connor and Priscilla from the Missouri area. 125000 paid off in 56 months, making 80 to 100. Count it down. Let's hear a debt-free scream. Three, Three two, two, one. one. We're, We're debt-free. And they pushed through 56 months. That's rowdy. This is the Ramsey Show. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author of Paycheck to Purpose, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Chris is in Duluth, Minnesota. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Uh, thank you for taking my call and great show. Thank as you. Usual. Thank you, sir. You're How welcome. can we help? So my broker uh, recently advised me to consider investing in what he called a unified managed account, a UMA. Done a little research, but... I wanted to get your expertise and opinion on this. Okay. What is your net worth? Um, probably just under two million. And how much have you got? Much. How much have you got under management with the broker? I've got um, about half. Um, about well, it's all under his. Um, about five hundreds in our uh, five twenty nine, and then the remainder, about half, is in our Roth and our my TSP. And the other half is in an open account. So there's about 700 he's talking about putting in that mm-hmm. account. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, there, there's a lot of people using managed funds in the world today. A lot of our uh, smart investor pros use those. And basically, you know, you're usually talking about one, one and a half percent a year of the balance. And then they're managing the funds. And you can do away with all of the commissions and fees by doing that. Um, and, it, it is not cheaper, but it just gives you some flexibility uh, and some, you know, some you can move stuff around without any tax issues and that kind of stuff. Um, typically, that's called a managed fund. The only time you use a UMA, a unified managed account, is if you're wanting to screw with single stocks and bonds and some other stuff in there. I only do mutual funds, as you probably know, Chris. And so managed funds will do that with a with a uh you know an investment professional most of them are using almost all of them are using those now 
Um, I still buy old A shares because I, I just buy and keep forever, and I don't really do any moving around much. But the managed funds is a, uh, is a very popular way to handle it now, and there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, it's slightly more expensive over a 10-year period. Uh, if you held the same exact amount of money for 10 years or same exact funds for 10 years, but it's not, it's not prohibitive. It's not a ridiculous fee. And I would say you're getting ripped off or anything like that. It's not, uh, the thing that scares me, the only thing that scares me about it is the fact that we put unified in the name here, which usually is high net worth individuals, which you are. And it usually is where you want to screw around with single stocks in the portfolio. And I'm not a player on that. If you're going to play with a small amount of single stocks in there, you know, maximum of 10% of your net worth is what we say. That's fine if you want to do that. I personally don't, and I'm a little bit worried that this guy's wanting to pull you into some of that stuff. Are you hearing any of that, or are you just doing mutual funds? I Well, we're, we're of that 700, I would say only like 100 in, in like two or three stocks. So we're definitely in the state, like there's four or five mutual funds that we dollar cost average. His, his point is that, that taxes are what we have to start considering when I retire in 15 years. And, and so our plan is, is that we spend this down first and then the TSP and the Roth, the Roth TSP and our Roth, we spend down when we're our eighties. So I would agree. I think that's, I think he's got your priorities right on that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so he was like, he's like, this is a sophisticated, I don't want to use this, but he says, the tax efficiency, the wash yeah. rules, the tax loss yeah. policy. He says all this, and he says he says it's actually sim- very similar to a mutual fund. It's just how it's managed is what he's saying. I well, I, I, you know, I, I disagree with that, but in, in, from a tax standpoint, it is, and I think his suggestion is fine. Uh, what I just don't want to see is I don't want to see you with 700,000 screwing around with single stocks and you're jumping in and out trying to play the market and basically day trade inside this account. Uh, you're going to lose your butt if you get off into that hole. Okay. So no, don't, we, you don't, don't do that. Let's just stay, let's move more and more towards just managed mutual funds inside this account. But the advice he's giving you is correct. I don't disagree with a single thing he's saying based on the way you're, the context you're giving me around it. Um, but sometimes people use that same tool for high risk speculation rather than calm, steady investing. You follow me? I do. I do. And I've been with him 20 years. We're a buy and hold. And that's why we're so, I mean, I don't make much. I only make a little over a hundred. That's how we got to this point wow. by yeah. dollar cost averaging. And, exactly. And well, he, he is right about, he's right years. about the tax efficiency. That's one of the benefits of it. And the fees are not outrageous. And it sounds like you're doing this in context. Yeah, I'd probably go ahead and do it. Okay. Okay. I just I wanted to... And then we lost the cell phone. <laughs> Dropped the cell phone into the bathtub. Okay, but yeah, it's uh, uh, net worth just went down. But yeah, yeah right. <laughs> hey, what a great what a great story though. Two yeah. million dollars yeah. of of net worth, and has killed it for a long period of time. And backs up what our study showed: the largest study of millionaires. He didn't inherit it. He doesn't have a huge salary. He makes good money, but it's not yeah. it's not great. Thirty three percent of the millionaires, one third of them, never made over a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And uh, that, that's he's one of them. Yeah. Yep. Beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Very beautifully done. Tara is with us. Tara is in Texas. Hi, Tara. How are you? Hi. Good. Thank you, Dave, for taking my call. Sure. Um, so I am recently divorced. Um, I have two girls at home that are in high school, a senior and a freshman. 
Uh, my bring home pay right now is around eighty-five thousand. Um, I have about six thousand dollars between in debt between credit cards and orthodontist uh, payments and little things like that. I've got forty-five thousand in vehicles between my daughter's car, my car, and a three-year-old home that I built in twenty nineteen that I still owe two hundred and seventy-five thousand on. So obviously, recently my income changed. We went from about a two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar year income to just mine, which is like I said, eighty-five. Um, I started your program recently. Uh, I just uh, I sold everything that I could. I completely purged my house and got my thousand dollars saved up. I just started uh, tackling some of the debt, but you know, I built this whole spreadsheet. And when I look at the big picture, I'm kind of like. Okay, I know those vehicles are yeah. going to break really, it, Break that really down for me on the cars. What What is your car? What do you owe on your car? So I owe thirty two four twenty one. Okay, on and what, is, what is your car worth? It's a It's a brand new uh, Challenger. And whenever I got my divorce, I was stupid, and I went and bought a brand new car. <laughs> it's the divorce stress car. Okay, and your so your daughter's car is like a twelve thousand dollar car. Yes, twelve thousand nine oh eight is the uh, balance on her Honda. And what's mm-hmm. it what's it worth? It's a twenty seventeen with fifty five thousand miles on it. I'm not really yeah. sure. Okay, you can look these up on Kelly Blue Book KBB dot com. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're asking me what to do, um, if the dumbest thing you ever did in the stress of a divorce is buy a car that you couldn't afford, well, you're a pretty smart gal. <laughs> Cause I've done a lot dumber stuff, but I think yeah. we can look at that car in the driveway and go that this is the one thing that doesn't fit in the rest of this picture. The rest of this picture looks pretty solid, calm, under control, wise. And then there's the challenger. Right. It needs to go. Yeah. For two reasons. One is it's financially irresponsible. And the second reason is every time you look at it, you're going to feel dumb. Right. It's, it's a shaming car. It shames you when you go out there to get in it. <laughs> Am I wrong? Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely I bought, right. I have bought and, stuff or done stuff financially that was dumber than a rock, and every time I see the thing, it reminds me I'm stupid. I don't like those things. <laughs> right, right. I, I'm getting rid of this thing. It's a reminder of the divorce, a reminder of the pain, a reminder of you making a bad decision in the middle of the pain. And I don't need any of that. And I don't need $32,000 worth of debt on a car when I make 85. Right. Exactly. Let's, let's get and you a conservative $15,000 car and let's get you and your daughter's car paid off. The other car paid off. And if you had no payments, but this house payment, your life would be pretty good right now. Okay. So that was going to be my next question about the house because house is not like out of I control. Said- it's fine. If you like the house, if you want to sell it fine, but if you like it, it's not out of control. Doesn't sound like anyway got it financed reasonably hang on we're going to put you through financial peace university and participate in your healing after the divorce you've gone through it's very very painful thing i'm sorry you've been through that kiddo hang on we're going to sign you up for the class if you'll take it i'll give it to you for free this is the ramsey show Dave here. You can find all of our shows with the Ramsey Network app on your smartphone. It's the only place to listen to the entire back catalog of episodes. Download the Ramsey Network app in your favorite app store today.
Hey, if you're a fan of this podcast, we've got more where that came from. As you know, at Ramsey, we're always looking to protect our listeners from scummy companies, slick marketing, and money myths. I'm George Camel, host of The Fine Print, where I do the research for you to help you rise above the system that's designed to keep you broke and in debt so that you can become confident in your money choices. Check out The Fine Print wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's James, producer of The Ramsey Show. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services you heard about during this episode. Thanks for listening.